All right, Kev, we got an amazing podcast planned for tonight, including, not to get too far ahead of ourselves, our first guest ever, which I think puts us in the big time. Um, so we'll definitely get to get to him and we'll get to our, you know, our recap and our preview. But I gotta start off. I know I call you Kevin, but I also know like you're K Mac, the Mac Daddy, and now, of course, Big Meek, first place DraftKings winner. So I know you want to get into that. I saw it already, but that is a huge, huge hit. And tell the world. Well, the, there's a lesson to be learned here because uh, I think in episode one, the first, no, maybe two after, I believe it was you had selected, who was it, Morikawa? And he ended up blowing that big lead. And we talked about how he talked about it a little bit too early. So I did the same thing. There was this like little scenario where I maybe wasn't going to win. And it ended up, if I don't know if you watched the end of the tournament at all, but I needed Lowry basically to make that uh, birdie putt on I 18, did, which he left like three. Solo fifth. Oh, yeah. Man. Yeah. So then, so I ended up finishing third, which was still great. I mean, I put in for, for $5 to win 150 is great. Um, but yeah, no, that, that that was actually a lot of fun. I'm going to uh, get into that a little bit because I think we talked about this previously too, but I'm um, in terms of like DraftKings, I really enjoy playing like the one-off like showdown, especially like for football, even like if you have like a one-off like a Thursday night football or Monday night football, because I really think you can like take a stance on what you want to do because there's so few options of, of plays where you can just kind of be like, well, this is who I want to go with. And, and it feels like if you're right, it almost pays out a lot of the time. And so for this, I was just kind of messing around on DraftKings and um, I didn't even, my balance was zero. I was like, oh, well, but let me, I was like, you know, I love our pool, obviously, but on Friday, you know, you don't really have much of a rooting interest. So if you want to play, I was just looking around, messing around on Sunday. And I even, I was kind of late, like most of the guys had teed off already, but they had this option where you can just play later tee times only. So I think there was only like 15 to 20 options, like draftable options available, but they had the captain mode, which I thought was cool. I love playing that in, um, in football as well. And my, my stance was very simple. I was just said, you know, like we've seen these leads, Chris Kirk had a three shot lead going into the round and like that, even with the best players has shown to be nothing. Like we've seen John Rom give away leads. We've seen all these guys. Um, and I just had this guy, Eric Hole, that I wanted to root for because I I knew he was like, he's like a 33-year-old PGA Tour rookie. And I was like, you know, it'd be cool for him to get a win. So I was like, you know, I'll make him my captain. If he kind of comes up close to the lead, I'll, I can roster Kirk as well. And then I'll just pick a bunch of guys towards the bottom and hope they do well. And it just happened to hit. But it was a very simple, like, I feel like when you play four-day PGA DFS, it feels like you're almost like throwing darts with a blindfold on because um, even if you happen to pick the right guys, if you don't have the exact sort of mashup of players uh, or, or just because your guys do well, doesn't mean necessarily other players won't. So I feel like it, it can be a little bit more frustrating in that way. I don't know if you have thoughts on that or not. Yeah. I've never played a showdown in golf. I played it in the NFL. And to your point, like to, to use, to use an NFL game for an example, like if you just pick a, your lean on however the game is going to go. Like the, the Patriots are going to win by running the ball in a high scoring game. You can sort of play your lineup to fit how you predict. I've never done it in golf, but I love the concept and I, I I've never tried it, but I, I will now any, any other additional way to, to watch golf and to gamble on golf. I will always indulge in. Um, but the four day ones to your point are very frustrating. Cause I, I know, I think you talked about it in a podcast earlier that, you pretty much need to go six for six in terms of all your guys making to the cut to have any sort of success, regardless of, you know, if you pick five very high finishers and, and miss that six guy, you may still cash and get, you know, your money back or a little profit, but you've sort of taken your yourself out of like the top echelon of the prizes. And it's just very difficult um, in some of these tournaments, especially with the softer fields to go six for six period, never mind pick, you know, six guys that are going to, that are going to cash you in a big pot. So, yeah, I don't know how limited those things are or what the tea times are, but I think especially, you know, if you're looking at a Sunday and you just want to watch the leaders and watch the TV coverage, like that's a great way just to pretty much tailor your gambling to your TV watching time. And that's like the best possible outcome, I think, right? 
That's what it was. It was it was almost like I was like, okay, I'm deciding that I'm gonna sit down for a couple hours now and watch this. I was like, let me just jump on here and just give myself like the extra rooting interest. And and I think it's hard, like when you play in these four-day tournaments, a lot of times, like most guys that are coming into like these fields from the beginning are like mass entering contests. So you can like maxing 150 lineup and putting all these variations in. If you're just looking to throw like like if you're like a small-time player like me and you just wanna throw like a single bullet lineup in there i think that's a better option to do it there in the showdown than it is to do it in like a four-day tournament where you're just not getting like lapped by the field of guys entering all these lineups basically yeah it's very difficult to legitimately be a profitable like uh like i don't know what they call it in, in golf but like the grand prix of the week in football like the millionaire maker or whatever the big tournaments are where you can enter 100 lineups I mean, I, I kind of like doing it just like you said, single, you know, three, six, ten dollars maybe on big tournaments because I really want to win a million dollars and you just never know. But I think, yeah, if you're like, like I said, if you really want to like mesh up that afternoon one to six, you know, window of golf, uh, you know, in prime time on the Sunday, that may be the way to do it. And that's a good segue into into the tournament and, uh, you know, into the Sunday um, you know, short on big names, but some pretty great drama in the end. Um, Chris Kirk beats uh, Eric Cole in on the first playoff hole, not devoid of drama uh, down the stretch by either of those guys. Um, I know on the 18th, you know, Chris Kirk pretty much needs par to just win the tournament, hits his second ball in the water, has to make up and down. Cole has a chance to now win and sort of hits a bad chip shot and they end up going to this playoff. But yeah, a lot of drama down the stretch, but my takeaway, well, I have two takeaways. The first takeaway I've already told you and I've already tweeted about, and I just can't get over it, but Chris Kirk's swing has got to be one of the most aesthetically pleasing things that I've seen in a long time. Like, I just think that that tempo and that that effortlessness look to his swing is like, oh, so beautiful and what what I wish I had the ability to do. And it's just weird to watch this dude swing so smoothly and it looks like slowly but, you know, the dude's one of the best ball strikers of the last, like, 10 years, so it's not really this slow, powerless motion. But, yeah, he's got a really sexy swing, which I loved. And then my second uh, my second takeaway is, given everything I just said in terms of the drama down the stretch and all these, uh, you know, up-and-down scenarios of these guys uh, snatching, hopefully snatching victory from the jaws of defeat, but snatching defeat from the jaws of victory and then going to this playoff and there's drama on the playoff and all this stuff, still really didn't do it for me like in terms of the excitement level and i think it just comes down to like a very weak field and there's only so much hype you can give for for chris kirk versus you know eric cole down the stretch of 18 like i i don't know if the the environment was there the drama is there but the names play such a factor that it, it sort of fell a little flat in terms of like actual um you know you know grand uh impact on, on my viewing experience yeah, it was good to see Kirk uh, get the win. I forget exactly how long it had been since his previous win, but I think it was like multiple years. Um, so it was good to see him kind of come back and and get that win. But um, pretty so easy guy to root for too. With his, yeah, he like, seems like a nice guy. Really, I really felt, and... I really felt for him on eighteen. What that was eighteen, right? When he pulled, yeah. <laughs> and yeah. he, you could just they showed his face like right after he hit the shot. And, you know, I was rooting for Cole to win, so I was, you know, sort of happy on the inside, but it seemed like like that shot just devastated him. So then to see him come back and get the win in the playoff was uh, was pretty cool to see also. Um, but I'll, so, like, yeah, the, the field was very weak, uh, but I still found myself, like, enjoying the event itself. Even on Saturday, I watched quite a bit. Um, and maybe it's just because, like, I – like I'm familiar with the event or like, I, I don't really know what it is, but I think, you know, this week was this weekend was the first weekend. You kind of had a choice, obviously with live kind of having their event um, at Mayakoba, you know, you could watch both. And I, as you know, I was looking, <laughs> I was delving a little bit into the live like Twitter world <laughs> and they were just coming out on Sunday with like a lot of like sort of sharp like directed tweets saying like and i forget this wasn't like their main account it was like one of their other like promoting account whatever but they were like if you would rather watch 
And they like we're just taking a shot at the leaderboard at the Honda, like yeah. selling, you know, whoever the top yeah. five were over yeah. like Dustin Johnson and Cam Smith, like something's wrong with you. And like, okay, yeah, like of course, like the the guys that live have are better, like you know, more talented golfers, of course. But I don't know for myself at least, I just preferred to watch the Honda, and I I don't know why really that is, but I think I think the misconception that most of these guys had when they went to live was that people wanted to follow them swinging a golf club specifically and people fall in love with the players like everybody i love dustin johnson he's like a super easy guy to root for him but i I think you love him in tandem with the history and the events and the majors and and what we know the pga tour to be and when they leave that and kind of go to this like unknown world and I believe it, I, i'm not anti-live or anything i'm willing i was willing to give it 100 percent of a chance you know but if you, they're like i'm arguing with people in the comments saying like you guys are like if people were taking shots at them and they're like firing back like it just yeah. feels like if you have to like 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 downplay the your competition and take shots at people on in the twitter comments like if, if your product is cool people will be drawn to it you, you, you doesn't if you have to tell people that it's cool it feels like you're sell. It feels contrived and like you're selling something. I don't know. Yeah, I'm with you. And I watched. I watched both this weekend because I, you know, I, I'm sort of. I was super into going to the tournament last year with Liv. I obviously love some of those guys that are playing there. So I wanted to watch both. And I, um, I, I gotta be honest. Like the viewing experience was insufferable. It Liv, and I, I hate to say that because I really want to be into it. And maybe things would be different if it were. DJ Cam Smith, Brooks Kepka, Patrick Reed battling at the top. Um, but you know, you're trying to take shots at Chris Kirk and Eric Cole. Like we have, you know, Charles Howell bat- battling Peter Yulian at-, at the top of that tournament. So it's not exactly like this is, you know, big firepower over here. But in terms of like just the aesthetics, the they are really, really leaning into these team things. And it makes it very hard to follow and very hard to to track what we're supposed to be following. It's just a very crowded screen. Um, and, and, you know, the further we get away from pure golf, the less I want to watch. And I am intrigued by like the thought of golf franchises and how that may, that may work down the stretch and like selling these things as like real professional teams. Like I'm, I'm pretty intrigued by that just from a, from a, I don't know, curiosity standpoint and trying to make it like the NBA or something where maybe you have a roster of 10 golfers who are paid, um, like an NBA team would be like, you know, your big golfers make 50 million a year and everybody knows that and your your bench players make, you know, the league minimum, whatever that is. I'm intrigued by that sort of being like a pro league, but man, like it is really crowded right now. And without some of the guys from the PGA who made their name over there, like I, I'm no more interested in that than I am Eric Cole and Chris Kurt. It's just the same thing. So in that case, give me the cleaner viewing experience, which this week, hands down, was the PGA. Yeah, I um the, the the team aspect is cool, no doubt about it. We we've spoke about how the PGA needs more of that, right? But but the his it needs to be like like you said, like it, it kind of needs to build up into its own franchise where like these teams are like household names. Like it, like is anyone out there buying like four aces gear right now? Like uh, I don't think so, you know. But in fairness, in fairness, you have to start somewhere. Like we're starting from literal zero. So I think we need a little bit more of a sample size, but right now it is it is rough. It is rough. Like it's just it just doesn't hit at all. And I think yeah, I, and that's not to say it's like dead or done, but it, you're right. It needs the, it needs time to mature. Like people need to come to know the live players and the events and the teams that they have, and and then maybe I think it has a shot. But right now it just feels like I don't know. I, I, it just feels like you're you're having to learn so much about it. I guess yeah. I don't know. And I need to see, like, I need a direct comparison of, I need to see the real big names that live in contention and see how I feel about that and what kind of drama that actually presents. I, another weakness it's going to have is I kind of love the shotgun start in a way where it is more fair, I think, to the actual golfers where you're playing in the exact same conditions at the exact same time. And we'll sort of get into like how weather can affect a tournament going forward. Like this weekend, I like that. I don't know how I would feel about Dustin Johnson and Cam Smith. Like, honestly, two of my personal favorite golfers battling down the stretch. If one of them is ending on hole 11 and one of them is ending on uh, ending on hole two, like, how is that going to look on TV? 
What is the environment going to look like? You know, what what is that going to be? And what if hole two is like a super reachable par five and, you know, hole 11 is the one handicap and now you sort of have this big advantage, even though it's, it's obviously even at some point, but just for a viewer's experience, I don't know if it's going to come off like it can. Like nobody's going to be coming down 18 together. There's not that big build of tension of holes. I just don't so know. That was, that was kind of the cool thing about the event that we went to going to a playoff, right? Because then we yeah. know we knew where to be at, and then and then it was cool, right? But yeah, but that's a see. that's a PGA tournament, you know, like that's right. Yeah, I don't know, I don't know, but that's yeah, that's that's a lot of uh, that's a lot of of, of weekend golf update. I, I'm sort of good moving on. If you got any residual thoughts, nope, Nothing. I think I'm good as well. Yeah, cool. Let's get on to the Arnie the. Arnold Palmer Invitational, the PGA's third elevated, third, fourth elevated, third, third or fourth elevated event of the year. Another $20 million purse with $3.6 million going to the winner. Uh, we're at Bay Hill this week, uh, a par 72, just over 7,400 yards. Um, and the theme of this week, and, and we'll just start it now, is this is a really tough track and it may be a very tough weekend with, with the weather as well. Um, and that makes for, for, in my opinion, with that type of track where birdies mean something and are important with the best golfers in the world, like this is a tournament I'm super excited for. And maybe the designated events are just working now because anytime you get these guys, like I, I, I really don't care where they're playing. Like it's, it's, I'm going to watch it. Yeah. yeah, this is an interesting one, too, because, um, yeah, again, so many of the top players in the world here, uh, but this is not usually a designated event with the extra purse. So I think so. You We are getting like a lot of talented guys who haven't played here in like a really long time. Like they might've played when they were like first coming on tour. Um, and that provides like an interesting sort of wrinkle, I think, because this is, I'm normally not too huge into course history, but this feels like one of the courses where if these guys do um, have the history of playing here quite a bit. It feels like you can lock in on like a particular type of guy who consistently does well here. But on the other hand, you have a lot of like incredibly talented golfers who are playing here for the first time in a long time. Um, so sort of interesting, like how to play that and, and sort of how to strategize there. Yeah. I, I uh, one of my, like when I get into how I'm going to be picking or what I sort of focus on, literally my number one thing is course history. A lot of guys in the field have a strong course history here. I sort of like that. Again, let me get into sort of the, why the course is tough. The, the rough is extremely thick at this course. The greens are extremely large and extremely fast. And the course is extremely long. Um, even though it's only 7,400 yards, it plays longer than that. A lot like Riviera and the Genesis Open because of the, the dog legs in the fairways. So, uh, regardless of how long the course actually is, all the second shots into greens are extremely long this week. Um, when you sort of look to the stats that have correlated to some success and and when you read, uh, you know, these analytics guys, we're really looking for uh, a lot of guys that have strong ball striking from outside 200 yards. Um, we have 30 percent uh, about are the estimated uh, shots from inside or sorry, outside 200 yards in this tournament. That is the top uh, on the PGA Tour for the year. Um, and then we sort of get into wind being a protector for this course normally, uh, and, and weather can obviously change, but we're looking at Friday right now with gusts like into the high thirties, uh, with sustained winds in the twenties. So that could really be a bloodbath day. And then you sort of got to parlay that into, you know, if everybody's going to struggle on Friday, when is the wind going to be the calmest on Thursday and maybe play this as close to these, these starters you can to, to sort of get somebody with a favorable setup as to their start time. Um, because it really, really, really is going to matter this week. Yeah, I love that. That's a great point you made about the course, uh, the length. Like, yeah, if you look at the number, I think you said 7,400 it was. Yeah, it's like yeah, 7,455, so yeah. Yeah, so that doesn't, like, it's not an overwhelming at first glance number, but Ed made the point of that it plays longer than it seems like because of the dog legs. And he also made the point about the, the rough is super thick. So that's another yes. thing. If you miss the fairway, it's going to feel like a much longer hole than it is because it, because of how uh, penalizing the rough is. A lot of guys are going to have trouble reaching um, if you're not hitting the fairway on that mark. The other thing is the, the par threes are incredibly long. I think the shortest par three is 199 yards. I was looking at the scorecard earlier. All the rest are like 215, 220, 230. Yeah, and those are um, monsters. 
Yeah. So, so uh, very difficult. Definitely looking at um, good guys who are good with long irons. Um, and yeah, uh, again, course, uh, course history is going to be big as well this week. I'm going to just try to target guys. I think who um, have done well here historically more so than I would maybe in other weeks as well. Yep. I'm with you. And that's sort of going to get me into like what I, uh, sort of took as my criteria for this week and what I'm going to be noodling on when I'm looking at guys I'm going to be betting on and guys I'm going to be picking for the for the pool. Um, I am on my last strike because of Denny McCarthy, the Grim Reaper, has now eliminated, I think, more golfers from this pool than any other golfer. So, you know, like they're going to be on my on my like no playlist for the rest of my life, probably. But I'm on my last one. So I'm actually going to go into this and think about this pretty hard. And I had course history as my number one. We already went into that. Don't need to go into it again. My number two is I'm not messing around this week. There are too many good golfers at this tournament to try to go even into like the the 50 to one and over list for me. Um, There's just too many good names at the top to mess around and and try to get cute, especially when you're on your last life like I am. Um, And then number three and number four sort of go together. I I have a particular affinity for the Euro players this week. Um, Guys that played on the DP tour, uh, because of the win factor, even though there may not be a course history, I want guys who are used to that. And, and just on the European tour, they play in a ton more courses where that's a factor. And then I guess that goes hand in hand with number four, which is I want ball strikers. And that'll be my focus this week over over length, over short game, over putting, all that stuff. Uh, I want guys who are great with long irons in their hands. Like Kev said, all the par threes are going to be, uh, you know, long long irons, hybrid, some of them. So uh, especially if they're playing into the win, these things can play huge. So you want guys who can um who can really stroke the ball. All right, love it. Yeah, so um, I'll get into a couple, just some of the names that I'm looking at here. Uh, just looking down the betting board, like Ed said again, same thing. Like I, you know, I'm not gonna go probably too much toward the top. Although looking at, I mean, Rory has one here um, and he, I was talking about, they were talking about this on one of the shows I was listening to today, but we already have like sort of a great buildup and leading up to the masters, which is coming up sooner than uh, you realize, which is great news. Um, But imagine if Rory gets his win here, that's what they were saying. And just kind of what a buildup that would be to like the masters. Because then you, of course you got like Rom is probably the clear favorite given his last couple of weeks, but then Rory's got to win, Sheffler's got to win, Homa's got to win. So Rory definitely a guy I'll be looking at. Uh but two other names that I'm really looking at as well are uh Morikawa and Will Z. So I sort of have the same attitude on both of these guys in that for sort of for different reasons, but Morikawa obviously had the, the really strong start at the beginning of the year. He, he like lapped the field in the first three days of that tournament and then gave it away on Sunday. Um, and then he kind of had a couple, like he missed a couple cuts here and there. Um, but with all the stuff that we mentioned about the iron play and, and just everything about this course, I think that he's a really good fit. Um, and I think he's sort of like rounding into the form that he wants to be in coming into like sort of these like major season. And then the same thing, like Will Z, I had sort of like a kind of just sit back and wait attitude with him at the beginning of the year because with the back injury and, you know, he, he missed that cut as well. I, I just wasn't sure. Uh, but I think I'm I think I'm like back to being fully on board with Will Z as like Wait, be, careful, be careful. Be careful. Be <laughs> careful. I know. I know. He'll yeah, hurt I you. Know. I forgot He'll he hurt you. I forgot he burned you. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah, that, that's the other thing is you've got to be a little – you know, some of these guys, especially, I know Morikawa's had the miscut. Will Z's had the miscut. Uh, I'm trying to think of it. Oh, Cantlay had the miscut of all these, like, big names up towards the top. But it's going to happen from time to time. So, um, you know, you can't be afraid to go back to him. And uh, I don't know. Who you, who you thinking about? Yeah, when I look at the top, I homed in on Rory as well. There's just, to, in terms of all four of my criteria, it hits all four perfectly. It's not fun to pick the second favorite, but at nine to I have him right now at nine to one on Bavada. Like that's not bad for me. Like honestly, if you're getting Rory at that price. Um, and then honestly, I was sort of like in terms of who I'm gonna actually be betting, uh, I've sort of was in like the studs or duds range. I, I don't know if I like much of like the middle class here, so to speak. Um, I like I hit a few from the middle class. I like Terrell Hatton at 33 to 1. Uh, again, all the uh, all the the factors I just named. Great ball striker, European guy. Great, great course history here. Has a win uh, win under his belt as well. Here, um, I like Tommy Fleetwood 
at 50 to one. Uh, another European guy, great wind player. I'm going to say the same thing. Just great ball striker. Played has played well recently. Played well at Riviera. That's another good test. Um, I like Sam Burns at 40 to one. Um, even though he just knocked somebody out recently with uh, a terrible performance, um, he uh, has extremely good putting stats on what they call ultra fast greens, and he also has great stats from outside 200 yards as well. Um, so even if he's not in the greatest of form, like it fits him pretty well and he's a great player. Um, so I, you know, I hope he rebounds and then the rest of my guys are outside the hundred to one mark in terms of who I like, I like, uh, Ryan Fox at 150 to one, a big European dude hits the shit out of the ball. Great in the wind, zero course history here from what I understand. But again, I'm just looking for somebody, um, if Friday is going to be such a bloodbath, like I'm playing this guy, maybe top 20, something like that. Uh, not a, maybe not a realistic winner, but a guy you're trying to hit with one of those top 10, top 20, or like a, you know, top British player, um, something like that. He's actually six and a half to one for the top Aussie, which I really like. Um, but yeah, just stuff like that. Another guy, Luke List, uh, 150 to one, um, lost seven and a half shots putting in his last tournament, which is just, again, like ultra impressive considering his ball striking numbers, but, but he has been here five times and he's somehow gained strokes putting three out of those five times. Um, I like him as somebody with like a first round leader type bet. Cause he can get very hot with his irons and be good from there. And then finally, and this is going to be a tough one. Christian Bazuzinhut. <laughs> Baz I I've heard it pronounced. I know, I'm not a novice here. I know who this guy is. It just it's hard for me to just make that sound. Um, he's he has a great course history here. He's never finished outside the top 20. Um, so again, a, a guy I like, uh, you know, as either top top international player or um, you know, inside the top 20, first round top five, something like that. All right, excellent. I love I love all those. Yeah, a couple of guys you touched on. Fleetwood, number one. He's normally a Honda guy, and I was disappointed not to see him in the field last week. So happy to see him this week. And yes, I love uh, I love what you said about Ryan Fox. And I saw something today on Twitter. He is gonna be playing in like a bunch of the next PGA Tour events coming. Oh, up. So dude, I love, him. I love him. I love him. Yeah, yeah. So that's great. Um, Okay, a couple other guys. So this is interesting today. I was looking at sh like stroke gain uh, stats for some of the guys, like uh, just only in the 2023 season. And you look at like the top five names, it's everybody who you would expect, just like everyone who's been playing the best. So, of course, Rom, Scheffler, Homa, all winners. Yeah. And yeah. the number three guy in strokes gained for 2023 is Jason Day. The only one, like, without – I just feel like a win is coming at some point for him yeah. uh, sooner rather than later. Masters odds currently 65 to 1, I heard on a show today as well. So um, that fits him. maybe something that to think him. about. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, he's interesting to me. Another one that I'm interested in, I was on this guy last week, is Taylor Pendrith. Um, he drives the ball super well um and just just like long hitter uh but i think a win is coming for him as well at some point this year um and then another guy way down the board uh the last one i'm looking at is hayden buckley so he has missed uh, a bunch of cuts but but he has played he has he's really weird he plays super well on thursday like he's gained, if you look at his strokes gain stats, he's like gaining super well on Thursday. And then he's just had like three of his last three starts have all been miscuts. Uh, but he's had like the worst Fridays of all time. And like, I don't know what that is, but um, you know, if there's any merit to it. But again, he's three up, he's like 300 to one. So of course, you're not going to get the best guys down there. But um, you know, those are three of the guys I was sort of looking at. But I think that's about it for me. Yeah, I'm just going to end with with my new trend of the week. Uh, I hit damn, uh, Cam Davis to miss the cut last week, which was a great call. Like I doubled up my mortgage, which is fantastic. I'm going to do it again this week, and I'm just going to pick somebody to fade. And I have a really, really bold one this week. I'm going to probably sprinkle a little on Justin Thomas to miss the cut this week. I just uh, what's the number? What's like, the number on there? I, I it's not out yet. It's not out yet. Okay. But if he's you know the sixth tied for the tied for the fifth best odds, it looked like 
like usually that's you know two three four to one uh even for him to miss the cut or however that would pay out to to make or to miss um but yeah and what, i just and what was cam what was cam davis he was uh exactly even to miss both ways last week okay yeah um as i forgot he was like 40 to one but again inside the top 10 for that so maybe maybe bavada had a little bit a little bit of inside info on his form just like i did but yeah, I just uh, I don't really super like the way JT has been striking the ball. And again, if we're going to get in a day like Friday where uh, everybody could be in a bloodbath, like if he doesn't get off to a fast start, like just with so many good names uh, and the volatility of Friday, like I just think it's kind of fun. Not, you know, not a fun guy to root against, but just if you want to play like a little, you know, a little off, off, you know, off norm bet right there, try JT to miss the cut this week. That that's my sort of surprise bold bold play. I like that, and I think it's a good way to kind of maybe get some revenge on some of these guys who have screwed yeah. you in the pool. <laughs> that's in the past, right. I'll bet know? against you, man. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I love that. That's great. Yeah. All right, cool, cool. I think we got a uh, we got our guest coming in, so we'll take a, a second to to re uh, regroup here and pick this right back up. All right. So as Ed mentioned, sort of leading into this, we're very excited to be able to offer our uh, first guest on the podcast. So, uh, you know, like Ed said, I think this does kind of make us big time a little bit. So we're, we're coming up in the podcast ranks and uh, and hopefully moving on to bigger and better things. So our guest this evening, he is uh, a member of the pool. Also my future brother-in-law. Uh, and that is Tom Kane. Tom, how are you doing, buddy? Doing great. Um, you know, I don't have like a book or a show to plug, which I think, you know, kind of takes away from my status as a guest. But uh, no, very happy to be here. Excited to be on, you know, an up and coming golf podcast, um, you know, to share share uh, my knowledge of the game with you guys, which is very low, but I'm here for it anyway. Yeah, you mean you didn't have a time to write a book in the 12 hours that I gave you before coming on the show? That's, <laughs> that's disappointing. Okay, that's all right. We'll try to do our best. All right. So, um, yeah, I just I, I was excited to have you on and just excited to have um, a guest in general because I, I did want to get your um, thoughts, like just sort of your perception of like what the pool was when like I first asked you to sign up, you deciding to sign up versus like what you think about it now and like sort of what you learned like along the way. Definitely, definitely. Um I mean, obviously, when I first heard about the pool, I saw an opportunity to gamble, and I, I don't think I've ever said no to that before. Um, so there wasn't team. a lot of yeah. right. There wasn't really a lot of thought put into like whether or not this was something I'd be interested in. I just knew that I did want to gamble on the game, game of golf. Um, I think, obviously, I think like most people, like a very, very typical experience. I've played NFL Survivor pools for many years, um, and so. I, that was kind of my basis for how to do it going in. I think the one, a couple things that I've learned, I think early on, I think I was more apt to pick down the favorites. So if I could go back, I would probably have picked more chalk at the beginning because you just don't know who's in form. You don't know um, who's really come to play in those earlier tourneys. Um, and I think I got burned a little bit on that. Like if I could go back, I probably would have just picked, you know, John Rahm or somebody that I knew was going to make the cut for the first couple tourneys until I got a better feel for how the field was playing. Um, I think that was probably the biggest thing I would go back. I've been trying to save those big names for later tournaments, but it's so hard early in the year, I think, to know who's going to play well. Um, I think that's probably been my biggest takeaway. And then just the other thing that you you realize is, even for professional golfers, any golfer can miss a cut on any week. And uh, you think like, oh, there's no chance like Patrick Cantlay is going to miss the cut at some random tournament. But he absolutely is going to. And these guys are still human beings and they can have a bad day. So I think those are a couple of things, you know, that I've learned um, doing this uh, for the last couple of weeks. But it's been it's been fun to kind of look at some look down the leaderboard and and um try to find try to find guys that I wouldn't normally think about as a good pick for every week so absolutely yeah I think one of the things I like most about it is it's incredibly simple in terms of like you know you just make a pick and hope he makes the cut but it, it seems like it should be so much easier than it is and like you said yeah. just say it can, it can happen on any given week and, and that's kind of the frustrating aspect of it as well I think 
I feel like it's yeah. so much harder. I, I've I've been in NFL survivor pools too, and I feel like it's so much harder, even with no sample size at the beginning of a season, to know who's going to be good and who's not going to be good. Maybe chalk just doesn't, uh, you know, lose outright so early. But it feels like the same concept should apply. Like you know who has the most talent. It just never it never quite lines up all the time, especially early in the season. But it adds a little wrinkle because in the NFL, like. You know, you know who's gonna at least you know who's gonna suck right away. Maybe you don't know right. who the super contenders are. Um, I guess that may not apply to this pool because you don't you don't want to pick people that suck. But I don't know. <laughs> way way different challenge. What, way different challenge. What is your? I was just curious. Like, what is your guys's? I mean, if you if you feel comfortable, like, what is your guys' process for picking? Like, what are some of the things that you look at? If you, I mean, if you don't mind me asking, I was curious what your guys' approach was. Yeah, that was literally my next question on the list for you too. I was very curious. So I, I literally talk mine out on the podcast and I just, I try to, to your point, like, see, um, I made the same mistake as you not going chalky enough early and and I got burned trying to be too cute and trying to take maybe second or third tier name. And I would do the same thing as you as just maybe in a, a pool, maybe this small, maybe just don't count on it thinning itself out and, and trying to be all fancy. Um, but right. I literally, you know, which do I want to take a favorite this week? If yes, which of my five favorites is is somebody that I wouldn't feel uh, hurt if they missed the cut? If I want to try to get a little cute and then it's like just, it's almost like separating them into tiers and cutting it down to like three super favorites, three mid-tier guys yeah. if I really want to go outside the box you know, three long shots that maybe have been recommended in like DFS articles or something like that is like value plays. Yeah. Um, I've struggled to find like any actual sports articles that are on point for this type of pool yet. So it ends up being like DFS pricing and and then like, you know, guys that I like that write up things that I respect and going from there. I kind of like how there's not a guide out there for a cut survivor pool. So you can't just go to it you know, for, for NFL survivor pool, you can read, you know, 50 articles about it, but mm-hmm. there's really nothing that, that applies. People are making picks to win or picks for top 10, but you don't see a lot of picks for making the cut, which just kind of makes it kind of inter- interesting in a way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that, that's a great point. I mean, mo- if you look at any content out there, it's geared towards either number one, DraftKings, which is all price-based. So, like, somebody could like a guy at 6,000 who's, like, way down the board, but he likes them because he's showing, like, a couple bright spots and if he happens to make the cut, he's going to pay off that price. That's not necessarily a guy you want to rely on, obviously, to definitely make the cut. And I don't think it's worth going like that far down the board when you're just trying to survive week to week on just a guy making. And I think my strategy varies very much so week to week in terms of the field, like this past week, obviously with the super week field, I was okay going a little bit further down the board with guys I'm used to seeing at like 200 to one or 300 to one, because obviously like they're moved way up. And I just like was happy with their recent form and there's not that much better options above them. Like, like I'm happy to go away from the chalk. I think when it's like the chalk is like Shane Lowry or, you know, like, <laughs> but like, if they, I think, I think Shane, I think Shane. I know it was you a leave, great thing. You leave Shane alone. Yeah. He's a major, yeah, so, he's a major championship winner. I know. And, a hell, and an amazing drinker. Apparently and after that, he went on quite the, quite the binge, but, um, no, but yeah, but it, but like, I'm not going to go away from the chalk. I don't think when it's like, you know, when it's the top players in the world, just because I think that even on their B or C days, like they're going to probably still make the cut. So yeah, I think it varies week to week, but um, it's the same. I'm the same as that. I have like a, a few guys that I really trust um, that I listen to like a couple stats here and there, but then at the bottom, end of the day, I just go with the guys that I'm, that I want to root for and that I'm, that I enjoy watching. So what about you? Um, yeah, well, yeah. What do you do, Tom? If you're, if I you're do, comfortable. I mean, I, yeah. Well, yeah. The formula. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, the, uh, I, I look at I look at the betting odds first. I think most people, a lot of people, probably do that. I look at the betting odds to win, and then, and then I look at. I think the the only like the big the three things I look at are betting odds to win, how they played last week, or the week before, like how they've been playing recently, which is always a rabbit hole because. I feel like I, every week I look at somebody and I'm like all invested. And then I check what they did the week before and they missed the cut or something like that. Right. Um, and, and then, and then I, I go back to how they played at the, the course last time they played it or the last couple of times they played it. 
Um, but yeah, that's what that's where I feel like I've I've gotten in my own head is I'll I'll find a guy who I like who's been playing who's played this course really well, and then I'll go look at his recent performance, and he's got like a missed cut in the last couple tourneys, um, and I'll go away from him. And I because but I think we know as golfers that just because you had a bad round last week doesn't really mean that much. Yeah. Yeah. But um, that's something, that's kind of what I've been doing so far, and it's worked with the exception of the one week where I tried to get too cute and picked Puchar for some reason. <laughs> but um, the other, uh, yeah, I, yeah, that, no, it's yeah, no. I think I think that's that's great. The, the point you made about um, you know going on again, like you don't know what's going to happen from week to week. But I, I agree with you. I, I do the exact same thing. Like if I see a couple miscuts recently, that really discourages me more as you said even like based on the guy if he's done well at the course if there's something going wrong like recently or he just hasn't been in great form it kind of tends to deter me as well and i uh it, it just kind of reminded me you know asking tom about his strategy because um you know when we first started this pool obviously as ed uh and i both know you know, like when people were still getting used to it, we're like mostly Wednesday night, we're sending out a bunch of texts, like people reminding, like, please submit your picks, just trying to like round everybody up and get, get the picks in on time. And Tom had my absolute favorite response to, to any text that I've sent through this year. So I texted him. Uh, oh, this was on the, Ed, what tournament was that with the Wednesday start? It was uh, on the, was it? Tuesday? Oh my God. It's the, um, uh shoot sure, at&t maybe i know it's the yeah, one the pro it was the pro-am right? the pro-am the yeah yeah so I, it was tuesday night i can see that i have the text pulled up now so i i, I texted him tuesday night at like nine o'clock and uh tom's you know just reminding him to pick and his response was submitted sorry i just had to run my deep numbers on poa putting stats for the entire tour <laughs> <laughs> just, just absolutely loved because it's like because Ed and I have this joke where like we're like like sending eight texts to people who still aren't submitting picks and we're like how much research are we doing I'm like no it's not research they're just not like checking their phone you know no, like, no chance yeah it's <laughs> great but yeah yeah whenever you whenever I do like a, a little bit of a deeper dive I feel like I just end up in a rabbit hole so try to keep it simple yeah for sure. Where was your uh, where was your baseline golf fandom in relation to where it is now? And is this has this following this pool changed your watching habits? Are you changing your watching habits? Have you delved into like shot length for the first time following your guys? Like what's what's I, uh, what's different now? I will say like I have tuned in. I've tuned into more uh, to more golf because of the pool. Um, I I can't really watch like the Friday rounds, which is unfortunate. Mm-hmm. Just because of being on the West Coast, especially like the rounds are never over uh, or never still going when I get out of work. So that that's unfortunate because I would probably really like to watch the cut, the cut drama if I could a um, couple of these rounds. But I've definitely tuned in more than I normally would. I think normally I'm, I really only watch like the big tournaments. Um, so this has made giving me a reason to watch some of the smaller tourneys and then just like knowing the field every week and who's a favorite um has definitely made me want to watch more so it's been good for that and it's also just kind of like expanded my knowledge of some of the players down the like when i was researching for uh what was it turned to the honda it's like who are these guys who's seb straka and why why should i pick him <laughs> so, <laughs> so that's been that's kind of the, the, the what the uh the pool has done for my for my golf watching habits picking dudes on name alone sometimes like, that's a cool <laughs> yeah yeah, I've heard of this guy. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Do you have a favorite player or a least favorite player or any anybody you're biased toward or against? Or, I mean, most of the guys I don't like are on live now. Um, but uh, let's see, favorite player right now in the game. I mean, obviously Tiger is everybody's favorite. I'm trying yeah, to think yeah, of who yeah. else I would always root for. I, I love Jordan Spieth. I want Jordan Spieth to be good. And I root for him every time. I don't even know why. I think I really liked him when he was winning. And I, I really wanted to see that comeback story come full circles. So I always root for Jordan. I hope I will ever pick him in this pool, though, because he is a loose cannon. But he's probably my one of my – he's probably my favorite player outside of Tiger. Um, probably in part because he is a psycho um, and can't really control himself, which I can relate to on the course. So <laughs> – it's like yeah, watching a, weird a couple, was, like, a couple speak like blow ups in when he was like in his 
you know, his darkest times of, of not playing well, like back, like, you know, maybe a year or two years ago, whatever it was, but he would like fire off at his caddy, like Greller. He was like, like blaming him for like everything. This guy, I'm just like, oh my God, like you could just tell, but I mean, that's, like to his point, and I don't know, we touched on this a little bit with the Netflix documentary and Brooks, but like to have the kind of success, I, I compare those two a lot because I think they kind of had that same sort of like, just so much success followed by like so much, you know, tough times. It, it has to be hard to deal with that mentally, I'm sure. So, um, you know, I'm sure that's frustrating. But Yeah, but I know what you mean. How many times has the broadcast come on and you're just hearing like that whiny, like, Michael, I flushed it, Michael. I flushed it. It's not the right call, Michael. I'm just like, oh, this poor freaking guy, man. Yeah, he's ridiculous. I don't know. I, I, but I, can, like, I find him to be relatable in that way. I don't know. Yeah. No, I feel you. He's the only guy, at least, like, uh, he's the only guy that, only top player that struggles routinely to, like, score. But he also is the yep. only guy who will just bleed all over the course for you to see. The same way we will on a way shittier scale, obviously. But, like, he, <laughs> right. you can feel him grinding, trying to score. Whereas these other guys, especially the top guys, not their fault, but it's just mm-hmm. like, oh, uh, fairway green par, fairway green birdie, fairway green par. All right, there we go. 18 holes. No issue. It's never yeah, that I, Eddie, I, Eddie, I hate to tell I don't, I don't want to even bring this up, but I do like Max Homa. Yeah. I get it. <laughs> it's all right. He's a, he's a likable dude. Do you, do you think he's funny, though? Uh, yeah, I mean, I've listened to him as part of my take interviews, and I I do. I, I guess he's maybe he's funny. He, he's funny on the podcast. Um, but I find him, I mean, his story is kind of because of his story where he sucked and he was basically like yeah. a Twitter commenter and that was what he was famous for. And now he's suddenly good at golf um, and winning on the PGA tour, which I don't think anybody expected. So um, I, I root for, I root for Max as well. I mean, if it's Max or like John Rom, like I like John Rom, but I think Max is more relatable. Somebody I would, I would, I root for Max over like Scheffler or Rom, just cause I feel like I know him a little bit better. Yeah, he seems. I mean, Homa, Homa is like super. I, that that's what it is for. And when we talked about him on that pod, you know, that's that's what like started him off was like his Twitter presence and like his podcast presence and and all. And then, and that was like kind of the first time to see an athlete do that, like a golfer for sure. I think. Um, and then to have the game now like coming and backing it up is what's really uh, been cool to see. So. Yeah, I I think you almost have we discussed this, I think, like last week or the week before, but you almost have to put Homa now in that conversation of like the top guys in the world. Like he's up there in the odds board this this week in like this stack field. I think deservingly so. I don't think anyone you could say anyone's playing like much better than him recently. So it's been a good run for him. Let's see him on the East Coast though. And then then we'll see. Yeah. Yeah. Cali yeah. Cali only. That's why Tom loves him. He's a Cali right. guy. Right. Yeah. Right. I've been in California for six months and that's okay. I, that's what I identify as. Yeah, I got you. <laughs> yep. Yep. Yeah, I think that's it. I know that uh that was a good question. And I had that one as well. I guess the other one I would say, Tom, if you were going to let's fast forward a little bit to like say next year, number one, and and no hard feelings or anything like that. But right. if you said you enjoy the pool, like you know, would you you would be interested in coming back in? And if you were going to like pitch it to somebody who wasn't in this year, but you were going to maybe try to like convince to do it next year, like what would be your selling points if you enjoyed it and like felt like you uh, wanted to do it again, like in pre in you know coming years. Yeah, I know. I would definitely, I would definitely do it again. Um, I think my selling point to somebody that I was trying to recruit would be just kind of what we talked about. Like, gives you it gives you a reason to follow tournaments that you typically wouldn't follow, and follow the early rounds of a tournament that you might not necessarily be that interested in if you weren't in the pool. Like, it's always fun to watch Sunday, but it, I mean, I find myself following a Thursday Friday round of golf to see how everybody's doing and trying to catch some highlights, which I think is pretty fun, especially if you like the game. And, and uh, I definitely would, I definitely would recommend it for, for anybody. I think I would recommend, I would probably do more entries for myself if I was to do it again. Like I think I'd probably do three or four entries. Um, I did, I did two this year, but I would recommend doing at least three um, if I was to do it again. Yeah. So we've had, we've had, I think Ed, you mentioned that as well. Right? A couple of common feedback from... so far. 
Yeah. Yeah. And I think especially when the, when the pool's so small, right? Like we have a few guys who have three, like myself, Eddie has three entries, Scott had three entries. So like, it can be hard if you're just putting in a single entry. Like we've had some guys on like amazing single entry runs. And I, I think there's five entries left now with no, um, Yep. with no strikes but um you know it's kind of hard when people are putting in three entries you know you can even have like a mediocre performance and still just have so many lives so i think a lot of people have sort of had those same uh sentiments but like definitely understandable why it's your first time like you're learning about it and like you know maybe you just want to take a shot or two shots you know so i think i think a lot of people like felt sort of the same way that you did i wonder you know? um one thing i think would be fun and I don't know, this is just an idea. I just thought of this while we were talking, but if you could have some sort of like side bet every week, where if you pick the winner, you get a little bonus. You know, I don't know. I, just, just I, I've legitimately thought about that in some form or fashion because we've had a few people hit and it would be a cool little side yeah. entry. Yeah, I don't know how. I, I've heard. Uh, I don't as know well how from, from a couple of my friends saying that if you if you pick the winner, you should get like an extra life or something like that. And that I think it is like it would add like an it, yeah that that I don't know that's a lot of that's a lot that's a lot yeah that's a lot. <laughs> but I think you're right. Like some kind of side pot would add like a cool incentive and also like force people to kind of like drive their picks a little bit a certain way. I think too, which I think is an interesting like wrinkle to it a little bit. It would be yeah. fun if you could do it like um, where like, all right, let's say it's like 10 bucks a week. And but if nobody picks the winner, then that stays in the pot and it just builds on itself or something throughout the year. And then if you finally hit, you know, I don't know. That's just that like that. That yeah. my feedback. I like that. Yeah, I did something similar for a fantasy uh, for a football league that I did this year. We just added like a. Um, a $10 weekly pot where if you wanted to get in, you could. And if you didn't, you didn't. But if you hit the high score for that week, you won the pot. And so if you entered and wanted to put up the money, then you were eligible. And if you didn't, you just weren't. And I thought that was a good way to keep it. I think that's a great way to keep it um, like fresh week to week as well. So I like that a lot. It would just be fun too. If you picked, you know, some red, random guy like Sepp Straka and he won the tournament, you know, yeah. that would be, that would be fun. So now we know who your guy is. So <laughs> watch out for him coming out. <laughs> I don't even know if I said his name right. So sorry. Yeah, yeah, that. you nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> all right. I don't know. I think that's that's about all I had. Do you have anything else? I, I got no other questions. I appreciate you uh coming on first guest, open it up a little bit, taking us inside the war room. I'm looking at your picks. I so I, I would have pegged you as like a super hardcore golf fan if I just saw your picks and nothing else. Like you go, you know, we got a Wyndham Clark, you know, JJ. Yep. <laughs> I don't even know small. Is it Alex Small? We know Alex Smalley. Is that his Alex first Smalley. name? That's very wow, small. Yeah, wow. he, did, he went like, down I the board. Like, huh? Damn, man. <laughs> This is this is what I was talking about. I I was way too cute the first couple of weeks, so I fooled you guys into thinking I. <laughs> I've never sharp? heard of Wyndham Clark. Never heard of the guy in my life. That's great. <laughs> That's great. I love it. Wow, you got through it. You got through it. Thanks, man. This is a this is a lot of fun. Um, yeah, I know we'll probably have the winner back on. I hope it's if it is you, I wouldn't be sad about it. But you know, I'm hoping hoping that it's not because uh, I'd like to win. <laughs> any uh, any any parting words? Final thoughts? No, thanks for having me on, guys. It's a lot of fun. If uh, if you ever need to fill the guest slot, I'll I'll come back on anytime. Deal. Yeah. Right, thanks so much. Yeah, thank you, Tom. We appreciate your time and uh, definitely psyched to, to have our, our first guest on the pod. So we appreciate your time as well. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Thanks for putting this together. Yep. yep. All right. Later, boys. See ya. See ya. Bye.